and welcome to Osmoco, our regular brew with Captain Stew and his well-travelled crew. This time we're chewing the fat fallout from the P&O sackings, exploring the morality of the capitalist dream and establishing why palm trees suddenly appearing on deck is probably not a good thing. But to kick things off, Stew's working hard to convince us that he isn't a Formula One bore. Is it really a useful business metaphor? And if so, Who's he putting in the driving seat? Look, I'm going to put my hands up. I'm not a Formula One nose. I don't know too much about Formula One. Well, what I do know is I really like Formula One and I really like it because Netflix made Drive to Survive the documentary and I think it's it's great this was a quite a foisty sport no one really understood it It had no charisma it looked a bit boring a set of wheels was going around a track and and it was only for those that were in the know and what I like about Drive to Survive is it's taken the complexities and unraveled them and explained them more and put drama to it and you know you'll speak to some formula one guys and they'll say you know they've, they've over faked it for tr- dramatic purposes but formula one's now owned by an investment company and their sponsorship and their audience is significantly grown on the back of the success of a, 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 a fly on the wall documentary um drive to survive and it draws you in and it, it's just wonderful and you can see so many topics in a business context that you can learn from formula one so i find it quite exciting that you can look at a sport and look at a sp- and take things away from sport and i think we were talking recently in a in, in a management meeting what's the only difference between sport and business and it's the fact that sports results are transparent to everybody in the world and i i love that i think that's great and we can learn from sport so i find formula one quite a uh, quite a learning curve for for us in business we can take a lot away from it plus there's a lot of drama fun cars everything it's good so i'd recommend it i think so what are we taking away wow what are we taking away (laughs) well if i if i I was to list all of that and our millions of listeners i'd be giving them their advantage the advantage but no i think um focus understanding that as a business who 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 is the driver in the business who, who the drive you have a driver and you have a car and you have a competition for the car and you have a competition for the driver and so in a business context who's the driver and i think we get we we, we get ourselves so hung up in business about hierarchy and leadership and we don't actually consider business as being a race and we don't consider winning and the points achieved and we don't look at uh, incremental improvements and what is our what is our goal we we talk about values and we talk about goals really you're putting a guy in a car and you're asking him to go around a racetrack as fast as possible can you do that with your business i believe you can and that race driver is your sales guy he's your sales guy mm. the product is the car and everybody else in business is there to support the car and the driver. And if you're not, then you've got to question what value you're adding to the team 
to improve the car and to improve the driver. And I, I like that binary vision. It, it, it allows people to, to consider themselves and say, what value can I bring to this team that has got a car and a driver? It also, you can expand that and ask the drivers and the engineers to talk more to make improvements. You can ask the branding, you know, all of these things. You, you could always find a, an angle that you can uh, manipulate to, 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 the, to that Formula One story. So that's my, that's why I like it. Um, do I like so is, the racing? Yeah, sure. so sort, of, sort of in summary, you've been binge watching entertainment TV <laughs> and you've managed to nerd <laughs> out anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. I'm reminded sure. of a story saying that sports results are always transparent. Didn't the North Koreans tell their entire population that they'd won the World Cup, the Olympics, and everything? <laughs> so they, they all thought that they were the most amazing sports people on the planet because they just couldn't stop winning. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They did a load of like propaganda posters about them just winning everything. That, that existed and they were amazing and I think oh, that's a with great the propaganda idea. post that you well, saw Stephen propaganda post wow gosh you've got meta <laughs> on me there um I I <laughs> what little I know of North Korea I suspect <laughs> I you know I, I know which side of the fence I've probably come down on well I, actually I mean I, we're not really well, North Korea interest. I was going to ask you, Steve, what have you been up to? But as you mentioned, North Korea, uh, they launched uh, their biggest missile ever. Test launched oh their biggest God. missile ever. And it's got, a, uh, I think it's got a colossal range of nearly 9,000 either miles or kilometers. I can't remember which one. It's quite important if you're on the re receiving end of that. Um, but anyway, it does put the continental United States, all of it, in uh, within range, I believe. Blimey. And that I mean, I always think... You know, range on a missile is wonderful, but never have it with such a range that it could land back on you. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> always make it the less range in the world. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. It's going, it's going, it's still going. Oh my God, it's still going. I mean, back. Yeah. Uh, I feel but, like we're, I feel like we're all a little bit giddy today, which was, which is lovely and reflective yeah. of um, the gorgeous weather. Um, I guess, Mike, that, that news story, I did hear that briefly, and I guess it would have made um, a, a much bigger splash, as it were. Um, <laughs> Than the one it made in the times. Sea of Japan. Yeah. Exactly. In ordinary times, whatever they are. Um, so, so what's been going on since we last met in terms of, um, oh, let's, let's start small, the world. What's, what's been going on? Quite I don't know what's happened in the world, Louise, but I can see that Mike's got some bruises. What's happened there, Mike? Oh, look at my oh. bruises. Check out my bruises. Oh, there you go. Sorry, for the, for the listeners, you can't see that. Um, well, pull your trousers back up, Mike. <laughs> 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 uh, I could show you that bruise as well, but I'm not going to. Uh, so um, I, I was off doing, uh, so I was off doing some, uh, we we have this round the world challenge to raise money for not that Stuart's parted with a penny yet, but we've uh, um, <laughs> for the for the International Seafarers uh, Fund Relief Fund, 
um, which is being used actually for Ukraine and 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 that and see those seafarers as well. But we'll we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but so anyway, part of that is doing distance, and we're going around the world by whatever means we can, whether it's rowing, running, walking, cycling. Uh, and so last week I chose to do some cycling, and uh, which is one of my regular ways of, of clocking some miles for this for this for this cause. And I was hit by a car, um, uh, oh. just taken out. And the car um, disappeared, and it was a hit and run. Um, so yeah, I got a few bruises. Uh, that that'll teach me for doing the right thing. Um, oh. And um, yeah, so it's it is uh, the police are involved in everything. But but there there is this thing I think about there's, there's an awful lot of morality about at the moment, and a lot of ethics. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's worth kind of exploring the the, the right thing. I mean, I was um, so when my little going out was I, I went to London to my first in-person event, a marine insurance conference. And at the end of that, there was something called Law Rocks, which sounds like an oxymoron, to be fair. <laughs> um, but this is a bunch of lawyers who um, law firms around the world. They've got musicians within the law firm. They form bands and they play money and they raise money for, for, for charity. And uh, so so this this particular event they were they 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 hosted in London uh, was to raise money for Ukraine. Uh, and and it just so shows uh, this this moral ethical position that that, that 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 people are taking. And one of the one of the facets of this conflict is the uh, what they call moral sanctions or self-sanctioning or whatever, yeah. something that nobody's asking to do. P people are just taking positions based on their ethical and moral viewpoint. And that, I think, is a fascinating dimension of, of, of what's going on at the, at the moment. And it just so that and we have a number of um, number of areas around that. And they, they, examples pop up all the time. And I know I know we've got a few and, and I'm going to invite Steve to sort of uh, re reflect a little bit on uh, what happened with uh, with P&O and the, the firing of 800 people. God, yeah. Uh, and and I'd, li I'd like to hear Stephen's take on that, but because uh, you know, Seafarer's Happiness Index and all that great stuff he does around that. So, um, yeah, what kind of contribution did what you just see make? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, happiness and the sacking of 800 seafarers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't, I, all words are almost failing me for how just incredible a situation it was. And I know we kind of, the listeners may be surprised to hear this, but we do have a little bit of a planning meeting before these to find out what we're going to talk about. And we touched upon this. And at that point, I hadn't seen, obviously, the select committee hearings in which the uh, P&O chief executive was roasted really about what they had done and why and all the rest of it and what made me feel just so astonished that such a respected company could do something like that in the way they did it to then hear them just blatantly admit on tv to mps to the rest of the world that oh yeah well we broke the law because we didn't think anyone would let us do it otherwise uh, mm. just just beyond staggering and you know just from from so many angles and, and Mike you mentioned there the, the kind of moral ethical angles but you know running a company like that just it's very troubling to me 
So it's interesting. I, I mean, there's been some calls for his resignation and everything, haven't there? And 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 you know, I think Grant Shapps, the Minister of Transport, he he doesn't. He obviously thinks that that um, you know, people that break the law, um, you know, I know, for example, by I don't know, illegally proroguing Parliament or maybe lying to the Queen. Um, but perhaps they shouldn't be in a job anymore. Um, but certainly for, for, for the boss of PO sacking 800 workers without notice, illegally uh, breaking the law, he should he should go. So I think so. It, the, the, I think that that sort of illustrates the dilemma of having moral positions uh, about about anything really, moral or ethical, because morals are such a subjective uh, uh, subjective area to, but and it's interesting and of course from a from a from a kind of legal point of view you may cease to trade with somebody and break a contract but from a law from a legal point of view they won't recognize your 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 moral stance necessarily your ethical stance and you'll be in breach of contract and you'll suffer the consequences of that mm. and there's a, there's another there's another there's so so so, that, so that's that 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 idea of um Morality, because one of the other things about morality, and I'm going to ask you to comment on this. If you don't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Louise. I'm sorry, I'm taking over here. I'm, but... I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, outside the just, so there's, there's another bit that I think Stu's really well qualified to, to as, 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 as a, as an ardent capitalist. The, the idea that a company can make an obscene amount of money and should be punished for it by some kind of windfall tax. And and I, I got a thinking in mind. The energy companies have been in the news as, as having been should be subject to windfall taxes because they've made a you know, shit ton of money. The um, am I allowed to say that anyway? And um, the container shipping companies who've really been you know supply chains been spectacularly bad, but they've made a lot of money. So Stu, what do you think? Uh, is is Mike in the habit of just? throwing hospital passes today steve <laughs> <laughs> well he's been in hospital hasn't he so he's ah, yeah look, look at this look, look you can see the hey thanks mike yeah let's talk about hardened capitalism um it was pretty draconian it was pretty fast and from my side of things there's got to be a reason why they did that there's got to be a reason. No board, no, no company wakes up in the morning and goes, right, what should we do today? Fire all of the staff. You know, it's premeditated. And I used to work for PO and many, many years ago, 30 years ago. And if it's anything like it used to be, you know, they, they'll have they'll have they'll have got a few lawyers involved before they made a decision. I was there the day that they changed the crew uh, when I was working deep sea for PO on their containers. And it wasn't a nice experience. I watched all the crew leave, all the British crew leave and, and Filipino uh, crew join. So back to the capitalist side of things, it, I, I think it's a balance. People have to stand back. And in, in the case of PO, going back to them, what really was the story behind them making this decision? And, and, and it, you will find probably as it goes on that there was probably inefficiencies, probably unionism. Uh, protectionism and all sorts of things. So if a business is not efficient and it's not making money, it's not a business. So you've got to change it. If you can't change the team, change the team. Um, I, I don't agree with the way they did it, but I'm sure they, I'm sure they probably took a lot of legal advice. But we don't know, so we're all speculating. But that's my view on the world. But, but this capitalism. Is a it's a value thing isn't it as you said it's a values they've done something that's offended values somebody's values anyway somebody's values somebody's, somebody's values, values. And, and, and that's the whole thing so, and 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 i'll go back i'll go back to the uh the sort of original question uh because around the windfall and capitalism and 
there were, there were there were suggestions that the group that owns PO Ferries should have you know, has made a huge profit, so they should just be able to bail it out. Which to, to me, from a business point of view, sounds like nonsense, because that's not why you operate a group of companies. You operate a group of companies to generate. You know, you don't. They, they, it doesn't work in 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 that way. Maybe it should, but it doesn't. Um, so there's there's this this whole value thing. And I'll go back to the original question: Can you make too much money? Is there a profit? Is there a profit margin? Is there a profit that's obscene? Because there's a, there does seem to be that at least in the minds of some, there is a threshold which offends a value of some kind. I think some of well, the oligarchs well. are finding out whether you can make too much money or not, aren't they? At the moment, <laughs> I mean, one of the things I guess you know from a, a perception, you know, the fact that P O's actions have offended so many and really have you know, rattled cages. And it's not just because of what they did, it's who did it. And you, you know, you build up a name and a reputation and all those wonderful things that P&O have had for so long, you know, the fabric of the nation, all these wonderful things, exception, etc. You know, that's why when they let you down, it's, it's, it is painful. And it's not just those 800 seafarers who've, who've suffered and their families and blah, 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 all the rest of that. And that is terrible, but it just it just rattles you. It makes you wonder what you know what we're all about. If 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 a company whose name is so respected and synonymous with doing good things and doing them well can do that, I mean it leaves us all a little bit kind of shaken and unfair. I mean, we've actually got a journalist on the call with us, haven't we? I wonder what Louise would make of their behavior from a reputation and kind of you know newsworthy wow, look what they've just said, type perspective. I, I think that's, that's one of the interesting things or one of the shocking things, isn't it? That they have made this decision, clearly thought through, clearly, you know, it's a strategy. And part of that strategy is, we don't care what people think about this. We're doing it anyway. That's, mm. that's shocking because there is, you know, they don't care about the PR fallout, I don't think. The decision has been made. That's the way they're going. And that's, surprising yeah i mean I, I, Stu mentioned you mentioned a board aspect and i i think i wonder whether this relates ultimately and i haven't looked at the board of pno ferries i don't know what their kind of diversity is like and the different types of thoughts and people or whatever but i'm just astonished someone didn't say that you know they, they boasted of this new operational model as if it was some kind of you know it was elevating them above the rest of the world that this is all about this operational model. They have to have this operational model. But an operational model that trashes your name, makes you have to stand up on telly and tell everyone you've broken the law and costs you £36 million into the bargain doesn't seem like a terribly wise operational model. And I just wonder whether maybe a lack of thinking on the board, maybe, you know, if someone had said this sounds a bit so, of a rubbish idea. Yeah. Well, I mean... So there's a couple of things, I think. One is, you know, the, the, the company's view of itself, as in, was there some sort, of, uh, some sort of crisis, emergency, some burning platform? Because in, when, you're in that, when you're in that mode, you do things which are, you operate in a different way to, to normal operations. And then the other thing, and it's just a, sort of a more of a legal point, what he admitted to was that what they did broke UK employment law. What he didn't say was what he did broke UK employment law if UK employment law actually applies. 
and there's a great deal of doubt as to what, because the, I think one of the ships are flagged in Cyprus, uh, MLC contracts. So there is some doubt actually as to the legal. So th th this again, this is that that the regulation or sanction in the case of Ukraine and Russia. But so there's the, there's the law, the regulation, and there's this values standpoint which we're kind of discussing and exploring. Mm -hmm. Because so so it may be they may be legally it may turn out that actually they did nothing illegal. However, they will be treated as if they have because they've offended values. Um, and what does, you know, what does this say about how things might roll forward? You know, to me, it felt like it was like pre-Victorian, pre-Union era of how we used to treat people that went down coal mines or well, it, well, whatever. It took, you know, it, it, it's taken, you, are a, you are a commodity and you are expendable. It's taken and us we, back. Yeah, it's taken us back about 40 years, I'd have thought. That it's, it's the worst. It's, it is, you know, Stu talked about his experience. And, and, and I can remember in 1983 or four, uh, towards the back end, the, the British flag comes down, the Liberian flag comes up, the Brits go off in one bus and, the, and, and uh, a cheaper crew come on in another. So we've been doing it for quite a long time, actually. And, and, um, and, and actually, I think one of the things the chief executive said, he said, we're only doing what we're adopting a model that a whole bunch of other people use. And they do. And it's all about that. You know, we, we talk about this valuing seafarers and, and, and maybe that and that's part of the offense that has been caused because seafarers, you know, there's been so much publicity about seafarers doing their jobs, bringing the COVID supplies in and all the rest of it. And yet we, we tolerate employment conditions which allow them to be treated so badly. And I think as well, you know, maybe the the impact of a pandemic does slightly change people's perceptions. You know, the sacking of 800, in, in essence, key workers in this way, those that did keep trade flowing, those that did keep the ferries coming out of our island nation during possibly one of the biggest challenges we've had since the Second World War. And then, you know, a couple of months on, to just get them all binned off and all their belongings piled up next to a skip mm. just looks beyond bad to me. Yeah, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. And But one of the things though that comes out of that, and I, I heard a report, this person saying, well, you know, nobody will sail on P&O ferries again. And there's, there's an element of, you don't have much choice actually uh, yeah. around, around certain routes in the UK, which again brings me back, I'm trying to stitch this together elegantly, but if you think about it, it's the it's it, it's an analog for the European position on sanctions with Russia and energy trading, and you know, yes, we'd love to sanction you, and but actually, we can't. Yeah, I've listened to what you guys have said, and I, mm. and there's no doubting that there is it is a PR potentially it's a PR disaster if we're talking the way we're talking as but it's only a pr disaster if they care it's not a pr disaster <laughs> for them if they don't give a monkeys it's just a fact it's just what happened uh, and i and i hear that and and i don't wish to be seen as the person representing pno's board i'm just mm -hmm. trying to give a, a balanced view of an assumption of what's going on, and that's a dangerous thing. First of all, are we 100% sure that they broke the law? No, no I don't think we're not. We just, but we, we, we've just said in this podcast that they broke the law. No, he said he broke no, UK employment broke... law. Yeah. He, he, didn't say, he didn't say that UK employment law applied. He said 
what he was saying is if UK in law, employment law applied, we broke it. That's okay. what he said. I, you wouldn't say that's not a very good CEO who's who's making a statement like that as if he didn't already well, know. Well, well, frankly, the level of muppetry that we've seen in this has just been has <laughs> been astonishing. And, and 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 you know, I've seen I've, we've, we've been around a long time, most of us, uh, you except the exception, of course, Louise. Um, um, but uh, the, those of us that have got grey beards and Louise, you don't ever want one. Um, no thanks. Then, 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 you know, we we've we've seen this this uh, through our careers, and this is one of the clumsiest restructures. Yeah. Restructures are necessary sometimes; they just are. Yes. I mean, that's just yeah. part of life. But this has got to have been one of the clumsiest I've seen, and I've seen some pretty clumsy ones in the past too. So I think this is a good point to um. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Maybe move the discussion on. On to what? Also mindful. Well, I'm mindful of the time that, you know, this tea break can't go on forever, Mike. So, okay. Before we uh, go our separate ways, has anyone got uh -oh. any happy news to share? Oh. Come on. Come on. Oh. Oh. We started on such a happy note, didn't we? It was all well, well, sunshine, well, before we, before we, eating birds. Yeah, well, and, it, and, it, and it, is, it is fantastic. So I think before we get to, I know, I know what you want, where you want to get to, and I think it's a great place to get to, but. There's a couple of things that's also worth mentioning in the shipping news that on the anniversary of the Ever Given, um, we had the Ever Forward, which came to us <laughs> came to a grinding halt uh, by running no. aground in in Jez. So and then now they're hoping it'll go ever backward. I don't, I'm not sure they've quite released it yet. But on, I mean, you, so, you can't expect a ship called Ever Forward to go starboard at the right time. <laughs> my assessment. <laughs> so that's, that's, that, that name's the real hostage to fortune, is it? The Ever Forward. This is real news. This is real this news. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's yeah. in Chesapeake. A ship called the Ever Forward stop going forwards no. uh, by by going aground and and it's not it's not as quite as big as the ever given and it's not obstructing trade in quite the same way because it actually left uh, i think it left the <laughs> it left the navigation channel so uh, so that's sort of fine but that's that's that's, that's a good that's one um, but you you, yeah. you remind me talking of running aground and pno so i think it was about 1990 and P&O had a liner tray, a, a liner service running from Southampton to the Far East, eight ships, great ships, one of my first ships, and they were all called Bay Boats, and they were the, they were the princesses of the seas, big, big ships, very, very fast, and <laughs> we used to have to take a right as you passed an island called Rondo Island, right in the middle of the Indian Ocean, you turn right at Rondo and you go down the Malacca Straits, you can't miss it, it's a great big uh, lighthouse I think it's about 40 meters high you can see this light flashing away for maybe 30 40 miles and it is standing orders you know call me when you can see the light so what I'm saying is everyone knows Rondo Island it doesn't just pop out of the sea and at 25 knots in those days 396 meter container ship ran right up the beach of Rondo Island. The second mate had fallen asleep. There's a little story whether he was actually at the barbecue that was going on at the time. I think there's sufficient distance between the incident and me replaying it now. And I always remember sailing with the bosun that was there at the time. And I asked him, you know, what happened? He said, obviously, the alarms went and everyone got up. And he said, I knew there was a problem when I found a palm tree halfway down the main deck. 
<laughs> Can you imagine the old man waking up to see palm trees down a 400 meter container ship stuck wedged on an island with a 40 meter high lighthouse, which is the only inhabitant on the island, flashing away, indicating danger to the rest of the world? Oh, my God. It does happen. I, I went, I, I mean, uh, just quickly, I think, because I, I, one of the casualties I investigated in my time as a lawyer involved a bolt carrier that went aground off Suter. And, um, and I, I, so, you, you know, you, you want to investigate a casualty and find out how, how all that happened. And I got onto the bridge of the ship and I was looking up. So it's on the rocks. Uh, the crew had done an amazing job of stopping it from sinking. Um, but, but it was on the rocks. There was a, you know, maybe a hundred meter cliff, 70 meter cliff with a bloody great right lighthouse on it and the first the sort of the first question you that you're thinking you're going to ask is how how did you miss that <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like we keep missing them as seafarers yeah, still, yeah, don't yeah, they? yeah yeah it's, it's an amazing thing but anyway sorry that's enough enough problem with lighthouses of course is that occasionally the light is out <laughs> if you get your blinking in the wrong synchronicity you can miss it Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was blinking in exactly the same sequence. Yeah. I, have, I have an occult. I have an occulting blink. Oh, another buzzer! Oh, it's not. It's not. An occult. Louise, is a I think we should have a an occult is, An occulting is a different to a flashing. Yeah, I, I think I definitely that's why need he told to the police kind of anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's enough of that. All right. Let's get on to the. Let's get on to the subject you wanted to talk about, Louise. Well, the subject I wanted to talk about, you mean the um, the big countdown? Yes. Well, I, I, I think the only person who can update <laughs> us on that <laughs> is I, Captain Nichols. I've never had such a drum roll for a birthday in all my life. <laughs> it's been going on for six months. Uh, yep, it's coming. It's, I think by the time we re record the next one, it'll all be over. Um, oh, 5th of April. Yeah, that's it. The big 5-0. Uh, I, it's funny, I seem to be relaxing a little bit now as we're running into mm. it, and I, I think I've got over all of the problems, but I did notice something today, maybe it's psychological, struggled with my yoga today, there was a lot of creaking oh, bones no. today, I hope it was just a one-off, I hope it was a one-off and not a daily oh, thing. You. The psychosomatic um, impact of yeah. approaching 5-0. Yeah, the lion so chakra. Oof. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm going to pop to the supermarket, take my glasses off and stretch the can of baked beans as far away as possible while I practice for the big 5-0. So, yeah, it's it's done. It is. All the holidays are planned. Got, got all the seafaring community, all my friends that are still at sea. We're all still trying to work out when. And, I, and that's the problem with seafarers that are still at sea. It's not where, mm -hmm. it's not what, it's not how much. They don't care about any of that. It's just simply when. Mm. And you know, yeah. you've got guys in the middle of the Atlantic, the Pacific, they're still trading in Australia. And you've got to synchronize all of those leaves into one go. So I think it's actually going to be September before we all get together. Um, so April is friends and family. And then September is seafaring buddies. And a great opportunity for multiple smaller skirmishes as you go through the months Stu. Yes. I love an elongated birthday. Yes we're budgeting the hangovers. Yeah <laughs> use them wisely. They get worse after 50. Oh don't I'm say told. that. I'm told. I'm <laughs> told. <laughs> 
Very good. Back to work, eh? Smoko's over. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's been it's been a good one. So uh and now time for the flip-flops and the budgie smugglers. Yeah. Oh, what an image to leave us with. Let's get those DMTs poured. <laughs>